It actually is one of the most influential video games of all time. No, really this time. There are few games that can actually take credit for becoming cultural phenomena beyond the games itself. But when Resident Evil was released in March of 1996, its creators didn't even believe it would sell 250,000 copies, let alone the millions sold of the first game alone. And to further that point, they had no idea how important the game they were making actually was, or rather, would be. Today we're going to be taking a look back at the original Resident Evil and talking about it and parts of the series in depth with a very special guest. We'll talk about the game and its legacy some 25 years later, all the things we love and hate about the series and more. So stick around and join us for a zombie-filled trip down memory card lane. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening. I hope these words find you well. Hello and welcome to the 30th episode of our video game podcast, A Trip Down Memory Card Lane. Each week we take a look back at one game from the current week in gaming history and we talk about it. Along the way, we hope to teach you something new about the game itself and maybe even the world around it. I'm David Casson, and as always, I'm joined by my brother, who's been doing the zombie thing since before it was cool. My brother, Rob Casson. Rob, where'd your brains go? Well, Dave, you know, I'd have to say, they, they, I don't think they've ever been there. You know, I just, I, I just kind of just do. And, and, you know, I just walk around, see food, smell food. Food. That's probably one of the most accurate oh. depictions of you I've ever had so far in these 30 episodes. I see food, I eat food. He's on a seafood diet. He sees food. He sees food. He eats it. Dave, did you hear that? What the hell was that? that I'm sorry. That, I saw the pun. I had to do it. That was hey, different. Guys. Hey, who's hey. that? What the what the flip? Did you Colby? bring someone is along? That, that handsome sounding fella. Mm-hmm. Speaking of food, my good friend Colby. Oh man, that's a bad intro. I'm gonna let it fly, no, man. It's it's. It's golden. See, I'm the one that's responsible for taking all of Rob's brains. Even decades before I I met the man, I was just like, man, these decade decade these decadent um, rat feces looking brains look appetizing right now. <laughs> Love you, yeah. buddy. Oh man, how y'all doing this evening? I'm doing well, man. Thanks for having me on the show. Appreciate it. Always nice to have uh, another another person around to talk about video games. So, uh, Rob, I'll start with you. What are you playing right now? Well, Dave, as we mentioned almost every episode, I'm playing RuneScape. Kobe, what are you doing these days? Um, well, right now, at this very moment, I'm just farming my Duel Links daily is trying to get my characters to max level for the gems. Uh, Rob, has it been a Tarkov week for you again? I feel like every time I catch up with you, you're playing Tarkov. You know, it's actually been a healthy mix between Tarkov and Satisfactory. Oh, I've heard a lot of good things about Tarkov. My coworker goes crazy about it. It's like I all got, he ever talks about. Look, I oh. got to be honest with you. I mean, I popped in for what, 10 minutes the other day because you guys were all streaming it and I, I got bored. I was so freaking bored. How in the hell do you just sit there 
and steer it like pieces of a gun and put them together and talk about it for like an hour before moving on to an actual video game. Building the gun and making it the best you can is one of the most fun parts of the game. I mean, (laughs) if your gun can't shoot in a straight line, who cares how how cool it looks? Who cares what it sounds like? Wait a minute. Your gun doesn't shoot in a straight line anyways, and that's not the gun's fault. I mean, you have a point there, but hey, I can still make it look cool. Oh, I I tried. I tried to hang with you guys, but seriously, I was bored. I was I, I was bored, which ironically enough, do you know what I moved on to? Satisfactory. Do you know what I've been playing all week? Satisfactory. You know what I've been playing way too much of? Valheim. No, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Satisfactory. No, actually, I haven't touched Valheim at all this week, thanks to Satisfactory. So thank yeah, you for reminding me that that game existed, by the way. You are very welcome, Dave. Because now I'm past the spaghetti factory aspect. I want to actually make like good looking functional factories. And it's really fun to do to try to design them in a way that doesn't look like trash. Right, you are. But speaking of games, Dave, I think we should probably bring it back around to the front and talk about today's game. I got two minutes and 27 seconds out of that conversation before you you reeled me in. Congratulations. Hey, got to reel in sometime. Well, we're going to head back to March of 1996. We're going to look at a game that just turned 25 years old this week. My and boy. St- that's, that's it. That's it. But first, I'm going to set the scene a little bit for y'all. Because, uh, you know, March of 1996 was a long time ago. The most popular song on the radio was Because You Love Me by Celine Dion. You know that hit? You know that one? Huh? Huh? Of course. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. The Celine Dion song I know is... uh, My love will go on. Yeah. <laughs> yes, Sorry, I, Mike. That's it. That's it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Dish Network, which is all over the place now, actually started on like March 3rd of 1996. So it's 25 I years I actually did not now. know that. Yeah, fun fact. On TV, the popular shows were like The X-Files, Cosby Show, yep, yep. Home, in- Home Improvement. Who remembers Home Improvement? I remember Home Improvement. Still watch that. Love it. <laughs> the Drew Carey show and of course the big ones were Friends and ER. Yeah. And I got to tell you, people had a lot of time to play video games because there were a lot of gems in theaters such as Homeward Bound 2, Girl 6 and All Dog Goes to Heaven 2. I mean, we're talking Ooh. some real real, you know, cinematic masterpieces in the theaters at, in March. Hey so. man, I, I I at least love the original All Dogs Go to Heaven. It was one of my favorite movies growing up. Yeah. Well, you know, yeah, I do. I really like All Dogs Go to Heaven, too. I want to crap on that, but I'm not going to. It was a good movie. Nice. So there was stuff going on, and alongside that month, Resident Evil released in both the United States and Japan. It was March 23rd for the Japanese version and March 30th for the United States version, so we're right in between. Actually, today's the Japanese one, so... That it is. Look 25. At that. Look at that. Stay of recording. Uh, and as Big we'll get it, you know, <laughs> and as we know, it would take the world by storm and we'll get there. But as usual, I kind of like to go to the beginning and kind of talk about where games from Kobe. You may not know this, but I really like gaming. I call it gaming lineages. It really fascinates me to see where games come from and where they go to. That's I actually did not know that that's wild, but I do understand where you're coming from. 
with your passion for like tracing back through the history because i'm very much the same way i love i love dissecting games not only on like a gameplay level like understanding glitches but i like understanding the history and the um the development cycle and the hell that some titles end up having to go through well that's a good that's a good spark to interject rob you're you're one of rob's friends and uh, you and i don't know each other very well why resident evil what brought you to today's episode i got my start in the franchise like a lot of people did um with resident evil 4 that came out on the gamecube in 2005 i think mm-hmm. i remember i was I, w- I would have had to been 11 at that time but i remember my brother coming home from a weekend stay at our cousin's place and he was just gushing nonstop about this game. And I'm like, wow, this game sounds pretty cool. I think later that summer, he ended up getting it for himself for the GameCube. And I'm just watching him play it. I was too much of a, of a chicken to play it myself at the time. It, was, it would have been my first M-rated experience with the game. Because before that, I was coming strictly off of like Pokemon and Mario. But like, I, I see this action shooter with like these vast, like this vast variety in enemies and um, patterns and scenarios. And I'm just like, this seems pretty cool. And you can upgrade your weapons and all of that. And after I uh, watched my brother play through the game, I'm like, maybe it's time I uh, get my feet a little wet in it. So I started my own playthrough and I was terrified of Dr. Salvador, the chainsaw guy for like a week. Like he haunted my dreams until I eventually broke through that barrier, ascended to super Saiyan planes of bravery. And uh, and finally managed to defeat him, get the shotgun, leave the village. But I didn't end up actually finishing that playthrough of the GameCube version. I got as far as the castle. And then later on, it wasn't until the PS2 version came out where I got that, played through that version all the way. And then ever since then, it's kind of just been a staple to get like every copy of the game on like the relevant systems that I have, get all the unlockables, beat the game on the highest difficulty and all of that. It's just a fun weekend level like the design philosophy between like re2 and re4 is like night and day one's survival horror emphasis on inventory management and key item routing and the others just you know a pew pew third person shooter with action elements and both are amazing phenomenal games in their own right that set the precedent for years to come on in gaming well it's really fascinating you should say that because you know Going back a little ways, Resident Evil it takes its roots from a, a game that has all the stuff you just talked about, your inventory management, your limited stuff. That's where Resident Evil comes from. And I want to I want to go back a little ways. So, of course, Resident Evil was first conceived by Takuro Fujiwara, and he was a video game designer that was involved in the development of many classic Capcom video games. And these are games that I myself uh, would play as a, as a kid in my early gaming uh, years, like Ghosts and Goblins for the NES. Oh yeah, that the one. Commando series, Bionic Commando, and and then Capcom would produce a lot of uh, um, licensed games like Ducktales, Little Mermaid, Tailspin, Darkwind Duck. These all were like Saturday oh, morning yeah. cartoons, you know, that they'd make games for. And he also did this little weird one called Little Nemo, uh, the Dream Master, which I really dug. It was a really cool game we've we've rob you and i have had a brief conversation about fujiwara before because he was one of the producers along with inafude in the Mega Man series ah yes that's that is a familiar name now <laughs> yeah so so we we've we've crossed paths with him before 
most significantly, though, back in 1989, uh, Fujiwara would direct a game called Sweet Home. And Sweet Home is not known well to American audiences because it was Japanese only until there was a fan translation of it somewhere in the mid-2000s, if I'm not mistaken. And what Sweet Home is, it's basically, it's a role-playing game. It's set within a mansion. And its gameplay basically encapsulates all that same stuff. Puzzle solving, item inventory, and survival. Um, So basically, in Sweet Home, what you do is you have to explore this mansion, solve puzzles, which gives you items and clues. Then you have to backtrack to other areas to unlock things with the new items. Does that kind of all sound familiar, guys? No. No? You know, maybe a little. (laughs) (laughs) You know, it's funny we talk about it because it really really is the roots of the survival horror genre. And and that term was really first coined with Resident Evil, but it was really birthed here with Sweet Home. And so you have a story, you know, and this is NES era, right? So 1989 is NES era. So we're not talking like, you know, the, the 3D polygonal graphics we got in Resident Evil. We're talking more 2D stuff and cinematics like when we talked about uh, Ninja Gaiden recently. There was yeah. a lot of room for uh, your imagination to fill yeah. in the blanks back in yeah. that day. Yeah. Well, it's it's really fascinating because the, the, it tells a story through cutscenes and it had quick time events like you would activate a trap and have to hit a button or the trap would get you. And the story is kind of really funny because it's it's Japanese supernatural horror. So you basically have a famous artist who dies but hides several paintings in this huge mansion before he disappears. And then like 30 years later, there's a bunch, a team of like five documentary makers that set out to recover the paintings. And upon entering this mansion, they're basically trapped inside by the ghost of a woman who then makes them fight for their lives. And despite the fact that it's not known by American audiences, it's really still considered in the in the genre as a whole as one of the greatest horror games ever made. And it definitely laid the groundwork for the survival horror genre. Because in 1993, Fujiwara had the idea to remake Sweet Home. At the time, it was going to be a remake for the SNES. But with the PlayStation just around the bend, which was 95, they changed their idea to make it... uh, What they wanted to do was make it a full 3D first-person PlayStation game. And so all the way back, you know, you have this idea that started way back in 89. And essentially, you know, Resident Evil is just a remake. I mean, in a lot of ways, it is. If you think about it, it's a remake. That's what they wanted to do at the time. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's pretty much what a remake wants to be is um, be more integral with the um, the artist's creative vision of the game that was held back by the limitations of the technology of the time. That's exactly right. And like, I I know we're going down this uh, memory card lane, if you will, but we even see a remake of the remake with Resident Evil remake originally on the GameCube that comes out in 2001, I think. And that, like, just, you you really see what the director wanted to happen with that game because there was st- still a lot left unfinished on in the PlayStation uh, 1 version of Resident Evil. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Abs- absolutely. Yeah. We'll cover that. We'll get there. We'll get right there in yeah, a moment, yeah. though, guys. You know, Resident Evil was largely based on Sweet Home's gameplay system and adopted many elements from Sweet Home. The limited item inventory management, obviously the mansion setting, the puzzles, the survival aspect, 
the door loading screen that's that Resident Evil is well known from was used in that game. Scattered notes and diary entries, a storytelling mechanics, multiple endings, depending on how many characters survive, the backtracking to previous locations, the use of death animations, individual character items like lockpicks and lighters, health restoration, and, and just the, you know, they're both known for brutally horrific imagery. So there was a lot of things that, that that Resident Evil took from Sweet Home. And what you just said is absolutely where it came from. So Fujiwara himself is, is quoted as saying, the basic premise was that I wanted to be able to do things that I wasn't able to include in Sweet Home, mainly on the graphics front. And that with this game, he was confident that horror games could become a genre in themselves. Because let's remember, before this... Before Resident Evil, there wasn't really horror games. I don't know any other way to put it. I can think of a few horror games. I, I look, I obviously they had like Sweet Home, but like the only one I can particularly remember from like the NES era was Friday the 13th. Because oh, yeah, it, that's a good one too. Yeah. I, and I'm sure as we went through the SNES era, there was some bad horror ones like that, but there was not a lot of horror games. Uh, as a fun side note, as they set out to do this, they really they, they were building a really niche product and for a niche audience, and they only expected to sell about two hundred thousand copies of this game. Talk about a leap of faith! I know. Oh my god! Like, poof. yeah, they went way past that. <laughs> yeah, they went even further beyond. <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, so Fujiwara would entrust the game to a guy named uh, Shinichi Mikami. The man. The man. That's all right. And he would become the game's director. For the first six months of development, uh, Mikami worked uh, alone, basically. He created all the early concept sketches, sketches, designed the characters, and he wrote over 40 pages of script uh, during that first six months. I I mean, it, it all started with him, you know? A lot of his inspirations are things that we recognize. Several of the mansion's pre-rendered backdrops were inspired by the Overlook Hotel from The Shining. Rob, we talked about the Overlook Hotel inspiring something else recently, and I can't remember what it was. Do you remember by any chance? Uh, Wasn't it Silent Hill? I think think it was Silent Hill, because I think Silent Hill took inspiration from Stephen King. I'm pretty sure that's what it was, yeah. That That sounds about right. He also took inspiration from the 1979 film Zombie. Funny enough, that's kind of where he got the idea for the zombie thing. But we're a little bit ahead of ourselves there. Because at first, their first prototype of Resident Evil was that it was a first-person game. And it was going to feature the same supernatural, psychological Japanese horror that Sweet Home did. So think more akin to, like, The Ring. What other weird supernatural japanese horror stuff do we have nowadays it wasn't popular back then but nowadays on that on the movie side we have i I think of uh the grudge that's the other one i that thank you i could see the girl but i couldn't see yeah the the name yeah 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 the grudge yeah so things like the grudge or the ring those are those are more akin to that at one point it eventually changed probably you know they took inspiration from zombie and they decided that they were going to go switch to more of an american zombie horror style that was largely influenced by george romero films like dawn of the dead which brings Mm. us to first person because that didn't last very long either so in 1992 mikami would 
discover well he didn't discover it in 1992 it came out in 1992 but about this time mikami would discover the the title alone in the dark and that 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 was very influential on this game was it not colby it was everything that we came to know about resident about resident evil like the core the classic Resident Evil trilogy with dynamic, or rather the fixed camera angles, and I believe Alone in the Dark also utilized pre-rendered backdrops, too. Mm-hmm. Um, Colby, I think you're mispronouncing that. It's not fixed camera. It's stupid. No, you're just a, you're just a casual. I'm just bad at the game. Yeah, oh, a filthy casual over here. Sorry. Whoa. Um, and also, yeah, I, 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 to your credit, I, in your defense, it took me like years of going back and forth starting playthroughs dropping playthroughs before like i finally wrapped my head around the camera control scheme it is not like it is not user friendly i will say that but once you get the hang of it you're in for an experience i'm so glad i did like it helped it helped playing re4 first because that game also works with tank controls and then it's like okay these tank controls are like that but the camera is just not behind my shoulder anymore in the older games you know, it's so funny hearing you guys with this because it's the opposite direction, right? You did RE4. That was your introduction. And you had to go back to Resident Evil. And so in a lot of ways, that fixed camera angle and those controls are a step back from the full movement, the fluidity of Resident Evil 4. Is that is that a fair statement? Yes and no, because like I mean, you saw the tank controls that are clunky to use in four. That's true. But, but it so but it made more sense. It felt more natural because the camera was behind you. Yeah. But whereas in the classic games, like you know the fixed camera angles, like they the tank controls and the were a way to navigate through these um constantly shifting fixed camera angles as you navigated through the rooms, which were just ingenious works workarounds for the limitations of the technology of the uh of the time with the ps1 that no that's exactly it that's why they used that's why they did it you know they wanted to make a full 3d first person shooter and slowly they had to come to the realization that the original playstation couldn't handle everything they wanted to do the full 3d graphics wasn't going to happen and so you're right until resident evil survivor but we don't talk about that game yeah yeah exactly so (laughs) the fixed camera allowed them to use pre-rendered backgrounds which allowed them to have a higher level of detail speaking of technical limitations there would be at one point a prototype that encouraged cooperative gameplay uh and, and so it's kind of funny because we got that first in re5 right we got that in RE Zero. Uh, well, no, it wasn't. It wasn't co-op between two different players, but RE Zero was like the stepping stone to RE Five, in my it's, opinion. No, it's like you're you, right. could, you could control two characters at the same time with um, Rebecca and uh, Billy. But yeah, RE Five would be the first like f- completely co-op two-player experience. Yeah. Yeah, and so it's really interesting to me that they had they had already kind of thought of that concept way back here at the first one but they couldn't make it work from the technical standpoint. Yeah. Uh, A couple little other interesting tidbits that I didn't really think about going into this. They didn't use any motion capture in this game whatsoever in terms of the, the, the animations. Everything was handmade. They they were basically like old. I'm picturing old Disney animators that are looking at videos and books to make the, you know, to draw their cartoons by hand, which is essentially how they created 
Resident Evil. So yeah, now- there there was that for the animations, and then like the intro cutscenes don't like that were shot in like live action with actual actors, you know. Mm-hmm. But like that that's not motion capture. Motion capture didn't really become like staple until like the next generation of consoles. I don't think. Correct me if I'm wrong on that. Uh, like until around the PS2 era. I remember DMC three was probably one of the first. Um, Devil May Cry three. I should specify. Probably one of the first games that I played that had um, motion capture, and I didn't know that until, like, years after the fact. Hmm. Very interesting. Yeah. I had to think about that. Motion capture, this was about the time that motion capture was starting to be first be used, because the, the first game to use it was a few years earlier with Virtual Fighter 2. And oh, okay, I can see that. And yeah, then the, the same year, we got Soul Edge. They were using it on the arcade fighting series, but yeah, it wouldn't really come to consoles first in time. Yeah. I had to think about that for a second. That's interesting. didn't know that. Uh, last little tidbit, of course, is the name. For those of you that don't know, over on the Japan, over on Japan, over in Japan. The Japan side. Over on the Japan side. This is called Biohazard, but they couldn't use the name here in the United States because it was trademarked by a, a, a band. band. Yeah, it was a band yep. of all things. And so they ran an internal company contest to come up with the name and Resident Evil was picked because it takes place in a large mansion. It's really that simple, folks. It's, I, it takes place in a large residence full of evil, evil. zombies. Yeah, yeah, yeah e- just full of evil. <laughs> but it's really funny. Like, it's a catchy name. It, it markets yeah, it well. Works. You know, yeah. it works. It's so commonplace now, but it's it's that's it. But yeah, that that takes us to March of 96, and we have a video game that gets released to the people. And for those of you, and I don't think there's any of you, hopefully, at this point, that don't know what Resident Evil is about, is it, in all honesty, boiled down to simple terms. You're a law enforcement member who is trapped in a mansion populated by zombie creatures. Can I have simplified that anymore, guys? Uh, you've pretty much hit the dead. You pretty much hit the head on the nail. Yeah, I, that that or the dead are the dead. <laughs> uh, man, he's got them. He he doesn't have much, but when he pops up, they're ah, gems. Got him. Yeah, and I'll I'll get Colby full credit for that joke. It just happened to to work out, and he he corrected himself. But nope, oh, I'm sticking with the 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 joke. I, I tended to correct myself, but then I just said the wrong thing anyway because it came out funnier. <laughs> exactly. And so you know, like we had been talking about, this is a survival horror game. It it, it actually, but on on paper, this was the first game that there's a, a, anyone ever referred to as a survival horror game. So in a lot of ways where we know that Sweet Home probably was the beginning of it, this is an, this is for most of us where the genre began. Let's talk about gameplay, right? Let's get into that. Let's talk about gameplay. The meat of tonight's episode. We we were just talking, you were just talking about movement. I'm going to jump right, I'm just going to jump right into movement, right? Let's do that. You've got pre-rendered backdrops, fixed camera angles. Rob, you're clearly not a fan. Nope. I, I I do not like the, the camera angles, the controls for me. And in your defense, they aged terribly. It's so confusing. It's it's convoluted. Confusing, convoluted. No, done. <laughs> not for me. I, I, I'm sure the remakes are much better, but I admittedly haven't given them a chance because, God, did I hate tank control so much in the beginning. RE2 remake is a Game of the Year contender for 2019, that's for sure. But yeah, the remakes are... I, I wish they would give the first one that... I, I still uh, Resident Evil One remake is still like one of uh, my favorites in the franchise, 
But you don't even have to play that one with tank controls anyways. You can play alternative controls if you want to, where um the uh, control stick movement's more one-to-one with how your character would move in relation to the camera angle. All right, so this game was was revolutionary. See, because I'm coming at it from the other direction, right? Yeah, you're old. Yeah, I'm old. I'm old. I'm from before this. I'm I'll 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 own that for forever. <laughs> so this game was revolutionary, and I I don't think of it like it was an issue because it's just the way it was, and there wasn't anything yeah. there wasn't anything like it at the time. You know, you had the 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 first control well this is even pre dual shock i want to say dual shock because i'm so used to calling playstation controllers dual shock but yeah yeah they're all coined that yeah yeah we didn't get dual shock until i think a year later with the uh, director's cut so you you had one stick to rotate the character and then the directional pad would move you forward or backwards in the direction move you forward to where you were facing left and right rotated your character and down moved uh, had you stepped backwards yeah, I mean, it, it. there wasn't much to it, you know, and I, I do remember like stumbling with it at first. But once you just get used to it, it's just a thing. That's that's it. Where the game drops you off at for your first room is really cool because it's pretty much just this giant open room. The foyer of the mansion. There's no enemies, no hazards to trip on, nothing to really worry about. So you have plenty of time you have all the time in the world to just get acquainted with the controls whereas opposed to re2 you know you just escaped from police car that collided with an exploding semi talk about action and you're currently in front of this car wreck that's on fire with a bunch of zombies coming at you uh, i remember that yeah you're jumped you're dumped right into it like you like, like you go you go into going into re2 like it's expected that you already know how to navigate the controls since it's a sequel and also like they just there are no holes barred on that but in re1 you have all the time in the world to figure out what button does what you you can uh with jill you could uh get the hang of how aiming works you aim your weapon to aim neutral hold up to only aim up hold down to aim down and then um turn with left and right like with the tank controls but you can't move forward or back no it's really fascinating that you'd bring that up because I'm thinking you're right. In RE2, you get dumped right into the game. Yep. A- and even even to further that point, you already know what you're getting yourself into. Like the genre has been established. What's going on has been established. Like there are probably very few people that went, not, went into RE2 blind that didn't know they were buying a, a zombie survival horror game, right? Unless if you're me and you uh, saw that your stepbrother had the copy of RE2 and you had no idea what RE really was. No, no, I mean, I knew through RE4, but again, this was like, this was like dating back to like my struggle with tank controls at first. We only had RE2, we didn't have RE1. So I was like, oh cool, I'll pop this in. Leon's a cool character. And then, bam, fire, zombies. Uh, what button does what? Game over. Oh, Leon Kennedy. That, that was me. That was me. I was like, oh, God. Imagine that with RE1, right? I, I think if RE1 started like that, it would have been so poorly received. It Because it would have been different. Like, in, RE, mm-hmm. in RE1, many of us didn't know we didn't know. So you you get this game right and you're put into a mansion like and you're right. It's a giant foyer and there's nothing in there. Right. Yeah. 
and you don't know what's going on. You don't know what you're up against. What like, a mansion. Yeah, yeah, that's Barry. exactly. Where's Barry? Oh my god, that's sad. I have a spot for dialogue. Oh, oh, no, dialogue. I'm, ready to, I'm ready to get into that when we get oh, there. My oh my god. I could meme that for days. But I mean, like, it was it was so awesome. And I I mean, look, what's I don't even most people are gonna know the iconic moment right at the beginning when you're walking down the hallway and the damn zombie dog jumps out at you. That's your introduction to Resident Evil, right? Yep. That's it. That's that's when that's the moment when you know what's going on, what the stakes are, everything like that. That's that's the game. And like it, what a what a way to set the stakes when you see the uh, zombie dogs kill Joseph of of the Stars team. Yeah. You run to the mansion to escape, and then you hear that gunshot as you're looking for your um missing team member, and then you see. That iconic first zombie just munching on something. Yep. And it's your former, and it's uh, one of your missing teammates. You see the blood dripping down their face. The zombie drops the head, and in retrospect, it's in a comical manner. Like that, he just drops the head that has half the face eaten off. The head rotates to face the camera. The zombie turns around. That th- that shot of the zombie turning around to face you is so iconic in and of itself. We really get into it now with RE Cannon because uh, the cannon's all over the oh, freaking place. Because, like, so Chris's uh, story in RE1 is pretty much was pretty much confirmed as canon because Wesker mentions in like a throwaway line in Code Veronica about their encounter in the basement of the Spencer Mansion, which pretty much solidifies that Chris's campaign was canon. Okay, so maybe Rebecca makes it back to the RPD station and she types out that report or whatever. But according to Chris's campaign, Barry's dead. Right. But Resident Evil Revelations 2 is canon. And Barry is uh, a main character in that. So what the hell? <laughs> yeah, I don't. I it don't only survives in Jill's campaign. They, they don't know what the hell they're doing. Yeah, yeah. It's just all these alternate scenarios. And it's like they pick and choose which which ones what, you know. And eventually it just got convoluted that they're like, we're just going to hit the reset button and give you completely new everything with some limited cameos from your favorite characters. That's kind of how I feel like the new stuff goes. Yeah. And even then the canon with RE2 remakes like all over the place, because how RE2 handled the two scenarios was very different from how the classic game handled it. Because, you know, an RE2 classic, depending on the if you want Leon A, Claire B or Claire A, Leon A or Leon B for the scenarios, the story would develop differently, and the bosses that you even thought would develop differently, mm. and the puzzles you would solve would be different, and all of that. But in uh, the A and B scenarios, no matter what character path you pick in the remakes, they play out virtually the same. So Leon goes to the basement of the RPD. He runs into uh, William Birkin in the monster form. He breaks through like the railing platform. Boss fight starts. You're telling me that after Leon delivers that final bullet to William Birkin, and Birkin like falls to his temporary doom, that after Leon left that room, uh, Birkin was like, "Well, time to go to work." Puts on his hard hat and a construction uh, or and a tool belt. Soldered the uh, metal platform that he just broke Leon through. Soldered that back on, so then he could uh, set up to ambush Claire later. Yeah, that's perfectly logical. Yeah, I, 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 think it's, I think that's logical for a cartoon, but, you know, that's not a cartoon. 
Oh, but, uh, we got on that. We got on that big tangent. Um, no, I think we no. wanted to talk about like uh, the overall movement. M- movement, movement sucked. Weapons weren't much better. <laughs> Very limited. Worked for the time, like when you consider everything. Yeah. No. No ammo. Actually, I, I wanted I, I see this in like our talking points. I actually wanted to touch on that. Um, What's that? So like the, the very limited ammo argument, I would argue that the ammo and heals were actually abundant. If you're good at the game, it, I wouldn't even say that you could make mistakes and um, stumble and backtrack to the item boxes like a bajillion times and still even do like a kill all run of the game. See, I don't know if I agree. I don't know if I agree with that. Well, like. Like the game, I, I I would say the issue is more your just the tight inventory space is the issue rather than the ammo. Yeah. Well, okay. So the reason why I don't necessarily agree with that is because, and this is more a product of the times, right? There weren't other games that were this limited with ammo or with inventory management. Those were non things back then, and so. You know, I came up in an era where which was run and gun. You just you shot first and you ask questions later. Yeah, you can't do that in those games. No, no one no one cared about ammo. Ammo was not a I thing. Uh, that that goes to my argument where you actually can kind of do that in Resident in Resident Evil, it, at least the classic ones. Like every handgun drop is like what twelve bullets, right? And it takes like maybe about uh, eight uh, or so bullets to kill a zombie, and uh, handgun ammo drops. Fairly abundant in the early game, though you can honestly just kind of bank the handgun for good once you get the shotgun. And if you're deliberate with your shots with the shotgun, just aim up and then just insta decap a zombie. That's assuming that you can aim and actually hit something. <laughs> well, that's the thing, though. In those classic games, there wasn't really aiming. The aiming was done like on a cone-based system, right? Right. Yeah. So, like, once I caught on to that, it was just like, oh, okay. I hit I hit the fire button. If there's an enemy within range of my gun, the gun will always hit. They like the shots won't miss. You you uh, get a crowd of like maybe three or so zombies together. You aim up with the shotgun. Boom! You just took out three enemies with one bullet. I will give you the point about the healing though. So healing in this game, you had first aid sprays and you had the herbs that you could combine yeah. together for different healing effects. Now consider for one second that this came out in the infancy of the internet when really finding out things like that. Like, you know, I rented this at first. Oh, if dude, I'm not mistaken. Yeah, it took me forever to figure out how to red herb worked. Yeah. You don't, you don't, you know, that, 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 I, I think maybe like, you know, game manuals were, that were a thing. Were, they were a thing back then. They're not so much a thing anymore. And like, I mean, there are electronic manuals, but like, not so much anymore, but like I'm sure that's something that you could have found out if you read the manual. But like I'm a human being, I don't read the manual. Yeah, me either. <laughs> yeah. Unless if I'm like an anxious kid that just bought my po- my copy of Pokemon and I'm and I want to just have something to read on God, the car ride home. You all and your Pokemon. I do not oh, have yeah. a. Po- I don't have. I don't. That that has it. It is the biggest media franchise in the world. I will give credit where credit's due, but it is one that has just lost on me for whatever reason. Well, yeah, you're old. I know. Well, and that's actually a really good point. I think part of that's generational because I don't really have any friends that are into Pokemon either. No, that's not true. I I will. And I will say, in your defense, the uh, recent titles from like the past five years, 
they've 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 been declining in quality. Like I think the series has gone downhill since like Gen Five, and a lot of people share that sentiment. So excited about the Gen Four remake, but that's enough about Pokemon. We're talking RE tonight. <laughs> <laughs> saving saving was incredibly unique. I loved how they handled saving. Uh, it was so freaking weird Ooh. at the time, though. It, it was just like, oh hey, um. It was like, hey, do you want to um save this uh, ink ribbon to save with till later? Or do you think you want to uh, risk going through this hallway and looting these rooms and risk possibly dying and losing like an hour and a half of progress? And that's so true. Like, like, like retaining that progress and saving was just as much a vital resource as, um, you know, your ammo, your healing. Um, and all of that. And that's so an element of classic games. You wouldn't think of that, like, back then. Like, sure, there was, like, memory cards, and you had to save to a block. Like, Crash Bandicoot, you you're, you go to the uh, save room in your lobby, and that, that that's that. Just overwrite your file and all that. In Final Fantasy VII, there's, those, like, save points. Okay. RE, the save points were there, but it's like, nah, you need a currency to redeem that, bitch. You got to work for that. You got to be... I would say you have to be uh, fickle with your saves, but, like, for the most part, there were some exceptions. Every save point provided you, like, roughly three ink ribbons to work with. So there was time for you, like, oh, if if this is your first time going to this new save room, you can pick up the ink ribbons and go, cool, I'm going to save now, because I've been wandering around aimlessly trying to find a new save room for, like, three hours, and I don't want to lose any of that progress yeah it was it was different it was unique and and so your point about memory cards is valid because this is still really early on in yeah and memory cards because the playstation was not the first console with memory cards that that would be the neo geo that was the first system that had oh memory cards. okay yeah. neo geo in 1990 but the playstation was probably the one not probably the playstation is the one that basically mainstreamed the concept. Yeah, put it in the limelight. Any other games that may have done that were obviously taking inspiration from this mechanic in RE. And then the other part that made it difficult, we talked a little bit about inventory management, and, uh, you know, you had limited personal Especially inventory. Especially if you're playing as Chris and you only have six slots. Holy crap. <laughs> the speedrun you- route for that is a nightmare because not only does... Not only did Jill have, um, like, the the events with Barry to pretty much carry, like, a lot of the hard battles in the game, but Jill also had eight um, item slots as opposed to Chris's six. Yeah, Chris could tank a lot of hits, but like you could just you'd be so much more efficient with your um with your routing if you knew where to go with your items. This is assuming like you know you're doing consecutive playthroughs and you're just trying to like go for a good time. Not even necessarily speedrunning, but you're like you're trying to get some of those uh what you call it like the the new game plus rewards. I think um I think RE1 had those where you could depending on like the amount of heals you use and your clear time. You're given a letter grade assessment on how you did in the game, and depending on how high that letter grade assessment was, there were unlockables that you could use for subsequent playthroughs of the game. The only so, one I, I remember, yeah. I think, was the fat, the the rocket launcher for speed. That's the only thing I remember. Yeah, yeah, and there may have been like I don't know if RE1 Classic had um 
multiple costumes. I know the remake did. No, I, don't I know think, um, two I don't, and three would have alternate costumes as well, but I I don't yeah. think the first one did at all. I, I yeah. really only remember the rocket launcher for speed and it and, mm-hmm. wasn't the so you had rocket launcher, but couldn't you unlock the gun with unlimited ammo too? like the, probably the- I don't I admittedly don't know a whole lot about RE1 classic because for the life of me I just cannot find it anywhere all right so one other thing so storage boxes right the storage yes. boxes had, had interconnected storage and you kind of talked about that and in the remake you can actually I'm so set- glad you brought that up my mind was going there with yeah, the, if you played on real survival mode it- the item boxes were locked yep like like not like you had you needed to find a key to open them but like they were not connected to one another so if you banked an item in one and you've made progress but then you're like oh crap i need to find this i need to use this key on the store you had to backtrack all the way to that specific items box uh item box items box uh, and pull that key out and then go back to where you need to use it on the door and I, I actually did uh, do a real survival run because oh. I was curious. It was uh, it was a trip, to say the least. Uh, good luck backtracking through the mansion when you're in the second phase and hunters have repopulated. I will say that. Those <laughs> fuckers know, can one-shot you. <laughs> originally, they were not going to leave the storage boxes interconnected. And they then they changed their mind and left it interconnected really fascinating thing about that that I really need to talk about during development is they actually increased the difficulty for when they they localized it over to United States. Yeah, I'm not surprised. That was a really um, a really wide belief that the Japanese had for us gamers out here because they just were like, well, one, it was like they thought um, gamers wanted the gamers out in the West wanted more of a challenge. And it was also like to extend rental periods from like you know block for like for a block blah uh, blah 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 blockbuster. So no, like, you are you right. Could, you couldn't beat the game in a weekend. It was a combination of both of those factors. Yeah. So so you nailed it on the head. So in this case, uh, in the research I could find, the second reason is is what's credited that they recognized that the rental market was going to be a large amount of their sales. And they increased the difficulty so that American gamers couldn't sit down and, and as you said, beat it in a yeah. weekend. So there you go. Uh, which is really funny because I know for, I've, I can tell you for a fact that at least the first two in the series, maybe even the third, were all rentals for me. I, I don't think I owned any of the classics till later in life. Yeah, I owned, I didn't own the classics until, um, until like, you know, I bought the games, until I bought two and three classic on the PlayStation Store on the PS3, like for an anniversary sale or something. I didn't. I just still don't have a hard copy of like the PlayStation One games to this day. All right. So the last thing I want to talk about, and we're having a good old time talking. Rob, you oh, still yeah. over there? You, Rob, you still over there? You alive there, buddy? I sure am. We haven't bored you to death, have we? I mean, y'all are just a lot more knowledgeable than I am, so I'm just basking in the knowledge. Yeah, just, just vibing. How's how's Rune, how's Runescape? How's your how's your uh, tree cutting tree cutting skill or whatever it's called? I, I mean, my wood cutting skill is 78, but I'm, I'm uh, not really working on that. I'm smithing at the moment, making dart tips. Rob's, skill, Rob's tree cutting skill is still 78. Stop the presses. Stop the presses. Oh, so puzzles. That was the other unique thing about uh, Resident Evil at the time. And, and yes. one thing they got from one thing I got, puzzles were really, uh, there were all sorts of puzzles. I'm just going to go over the basic mechanics of a few for those of you that don't remember. 
there was a, you know, you could pick up a book and examine it. And one of the early keys was on the back of the book. There was a statue you could push over the railing and inside after it smashes on the ground was a gem. There were various trap rooms. You brought up the shotgun. Wasn't the shotgun? Didn't it come out of a room where you had to put a broken shotgun on the wall or yeah, a trap? Unless or- if you were Jill and you took like this one specific route, then if you grabbed the shotgun without replacing it, then Barry would save you from that trap. Mm-hmm. Oh. And that's where the meme. And that's where the meme Jill sandwich comes from. <laughs> I, you know, after during that scene, you know Barry pulls Jill out of the room, and she's all like, "Oh, thanks, Barry." Like. Yeah, you know, another minute there, and you would have been—you would have turned into a Jill sandwich. sandwich. Yes. Oh yeah. man, don't worry, we have a lot to say or about this. It, it was something like that. The dialogue is no, just you're right. Chef's kiss. You're right. God. Do you remember? I mean, I remember various puzzles, as you, you know, and they changed. There were swapping out the sun and the moon at the one point and as you got into labs later in the game there were computer passwords laying on all yeah, over the place so and you needed, like these electronic keys not necessarily yeah. key cards but they had like a chip in them and yeah do you remember your favorite like what 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 do you remember puzzle wise so admittedly so again like i don't know i don't remember a lot from like re1 classic just from just little bits and pieces from speed runs i think my one of my favorite puzzles. Ooh, I'm thinking about maybe the um. There's so many, you know. Um, and I know it's hard putting you on the spot for it. I know. I honestly don't don't remember many of them. The one puzzle that comes to my mind, and it's not necessarily favorite, but the water sample puzzle from RE3. It's infamous for being one of the hardest puzzles in the franchise. Rob might know this if I would jog his memory a little. But recently, like last October, um, I was playing through all the RE games and I shit you not, I was stuck on the water sample puzzle in RE3 for like 20 minutes. As a veteran yep. of that game that's played through it several times, I had both Rob and our mutual friend Kiefer um, helping me out with the puzzle in my chat on stream. And I was just like, oh my God, this puzzle makes me want to commit a crime. <laughs> yeah, that, that was pretty brutal. Yeah, that puzzle is, is pretty infamous. Another puzzle that stands out is the um, statue shoving puzzle um, in Remake. Not necessarily the one where you get the blue gem, but the ones that have the suits of armor that you need to open to get a treasure yep. box that ha- that contains a key that yep. comes to mind. Oh, the portrait puzzle in Remake, um, where, where you flip the switches from, from birth to death. Yeah. That Yeah. And then I, I also I also liked the um the chess piece puzzle. Uh, I like the chess piece in, one too. Uh, RE2 remake. Yeah, and, that, that and one comes to mind. That yeah. one comes to mind. So yeah, there's just a lot of good puzzles. Lots that was puzzles. that was something something. And you know, I, I want to expand more on um on puzzles too because like th- this is the reason why I'm so hooked on the uh sur- like the OG like the survival horror Resident Evils as opposed to like the action oriented ones like four. Like four had some puzzles, sure. But it was very linear. There was minimal backtracking for um, collecting puzzle pieces, you know. But, like, the cool thing about these classic games was that, like, the game was very much designed to be, like, a puzzle box in and of itself. Like, you're thrown into, the, you're thrown into this mansion, many locked doors, a few unlocked. You explore the paths that you can go with the unlocked doors. You find a key item. You try out the key item on the various locks and stuff until you find progress repeat with various other key items that you find it's like solving a rubik's cube in a way you know you solve the one side you yeah you solve the bottom side first then you solve the other sides then you finish up with the top you know it's very much like that but 
stretched out across like a uh, eight to ten hour video game experience, assuming you're going in blind. Yeah, you know, it, it, like that's just something that's really fun. It's what incentivizes the replays for me. You know, it's just um, oh man, this blind playthrough was around twelve hours, but I want to play it again. So I play it as the other character. I finish it in maybe about seven hours that time, and I'm like you know what, maybe I can do a sub three hour run and unlock that rocket launcher. So then you just keep grinding the game out for that. That's pretty much my experience with RE2 remake. Yeah. It's so fun. You know, now that you said that, I also don't really remember many other games before this that had multiple characters that you could play through as that was something you were with this too. So yeah, there was a lot. This is a lot of stuff, you know, and it's not a big investment because you said sub three hour run. You know, I I looked it up and the movie, yeah right the average look i get a really big kick out of going to revisit these old games because as a kid like i can think of renting this and i don't know if i beat it in one like one weekend but the average playthrough is only eight hours it's only eight hours like i sit on my butt and i play eight hours or more not often but i do that i i've been known to do that nowadays we're in quarantine baby that was me with persona (laughs) 5 royal last spring we were in quarantine. I was unemployed. Oh. I'm like, okay, I can hack like ten hours a day on this 100 hour plus game. Let's do it. I uh, that's still sitting on my my backlog that I haven't played yet. It's so good, man. Uh, I've when, never, you, when you find the time, definitely. That's what I've been told. I I've never dived into that franchise to be honest with you. So Royal was my first Persona game too. Um, I wanted to get into it with three, but I, five Royal was my first game, and it was it was a treat. And uh, we'll we'll get into that later. I noticed you have a staple question towards the end of your oh, podcast. Yeah, you, you uh, like, like, we'll, we'll 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 get into that. I'll, I'll elaborate more on my experience with that when we get to that. Question. Oh, yeah. well, well, spoilers for those uh, who are watching, who are listening in on the whole shebang here. Well, that brings us to so an impasse see. because this is about the time where we take a look back at how people felt about the game colby if you if you know you, you're joining us we kind of like to look at reviews about the game both from the critic standpoint and user standpoint and and give our opinions and make fun of them uh particularly on the make fun of <laughs> ripping apart reviews i would love nothing more well and two it's kind of we're agreeing with them you know see it's nice to see content creators and reviewers like if you disagree with them, like that, that's one thing. But like seeing a point that you really agree with that you just couldn't quite put into words, but they put they found the words for you. That's always kind of nice to see, too. Right on. Hey, Rob. Say. Yes. Take it away, brother. So you look at Game Informer. Game Informer looked at this and gave it a 9.25 out of 10, saying that Resident Evil has to be the freakiest <laughs> game ever made. It takes all the elements in the Alone in the Dark series and mixes it with a gory horror flick. I literally jumped out of my seat when a new demon attacked. It's spooky, scary, and above all, a frighteningly good time. All right, so look, I I paraphrase a lot of the the quotes that we use because I don't need to do them don't verbatim. Don't tell me you took that word for word. I almost took it word for word, but what's most fascinating, what's most fascinating about that is in more than one part of the article, they use the word demon. And this was in 96. That's what stood to me too. Why not zombie? It's a well, zombie. Because in, in the game, you know, there's Richard, you know, that's that guy that gets bitten by the snake yawn. And he's like, uh, Jill, 
this, this mansion is filled with dangerous demons. Ouch. I shit you not, he says it exactly like that when he's succumbing to the poison. He's just like, ouch. So maybe it's a reference to that. I just don't understand because everyone knew they were zombies. And more than once, this is like, yeah, demon this, demon that. I'm like, oh, my God. Like, for real, yeah, man. It's, it's funny that you bring that up because it's like, okay, in RE1, like, they, maybe they don't want to uh, use the word zombies. Like, oh, let's retain the, let's retain the uh, illusion for some reason. Like, maybe zombies just weren't an explored comp concept in RE canon at that point. But then in RE2, only like three months later after, th- after that game in the timeline, you know, Marvin's all like, there were these encounters with these zombie-like creatures. And it's like, just call them zombies at that point if you're already going to use the adjective, bro. I know, I know. <laughs> it's so weird. I know. Zombie-like uh, creatures. Oh, okay. All right, Rob, what else we got today? So IGN rates this game an 8.7 out of 10. They said, this game rules, no bones about it. Never has a game combined excellent graphics with heart-stopping action and a great story in such a way to create an almost cinematic adventure. Great story. <laughs> I know. That's the part that cracks me up. Uh, in a moment, we're going to get to user reviews, and we'll elaborate on that. But yeah. yeah, great story. Okay. All right. Oh, yeah. Which brings us Which brings us to... It, it, you know, it's like a flick experience. You're there for a good time. The story is not going to be like anything to write home about you know you're you're there for the zombies you're there for the 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 uh the experience so well, who cares who okay, cares about so, story so not not every critic felt the same way rob am i right right you are dave game pros critic writes that this, this it described the storyline and cinematics as mostly laughable but felt that the there gameplay is. gripping pace and heavy challenge made the game effectively terrifying yeah, I might paraphrase yeah. that one a little weird, but mostly laughable for storyline cinematics. As iconic as they are, it was definitely laughable. Well, I, str- I struggle with that, though, because in the context... It, well, yeah, but in the... It, okay, so 25 years later, it's pathetic. But at the time, what else did we have? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, <laughs> they didn't have voice actors weren't really... No, a th- like, no. even at the time, like, Funimation is just now getting just getting its idea out the door with dubbing anime in English, you know, like voice acting was just not really an industry there. God, I mean, how many games were voice acted that every, this is a time period where every game that had voice acting was literally just like, Oh my God, this is so freaking awesome. They're like, like, we, we talk about the words to me. It's great. Yeah. We talk about games and moments that are like technological leaps. And voice acting was one of them for a lot of us back then. And so, yeah, was it was it ridiculous? In hindsight, it was. But at the time, we were so on all the fact that there was voice acting that we didn't. Yeah. I didn't recognize didn't how care. bad it was. Yeah. yeah, we didn't care. You know, critics liked the game. They all rated it pretty well. It was the runner up game of the year for almost every publication. And before we go on to player reviews, can either of you tell me what was the game of the year in 1996? That's a good question. Um, I'm blanking out on that. Well, 96, Mario 64. Yeah, you're right. Wow, look at him go. I had my answer queued up, ready to rip, and Colby jumps out the gun. You had Mario, you got it too? Uh, I mean, I might have looked this one up just to look smart. <laughs> he had to look up in his memory, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> oh, man. Oh, boy. All right, all right, all right. Yeah, it was Mario 64. All right. 
that's how critics felt. How do players feel about this, Rob? Well, from Metacritic, user Joni B writes that every room had its own detail. The music really suited the game, and it was unpredictable. Mm-hmm. You didn't know what was going to happen next. Wait, it's was, not the, that... was the music unpredictable or was the game unpredictable? Uh, yes, Dave. <laughs> <laughs> so right, here, carry on. <laughs> they continue to say that it's not that easy either. You have to use your brain a lot. Before the zombies get it. It's an excellent game to send a shiver up your spine. I don't know if I agree with send a shiver up your spine. I It wasn't a send a shiver up your spine. in this game to be spooky, scary, or to send shivers down my spine. Yeah, it was a jump. It was a like maybe I shit my pants scared, but I didn't get a shiver up the spine. I I, I didn't get that uh that that feeling either. See, by the time I came around to these games, I was mostly desensitized to like a lot of the jump scares present in like those kinds of games. Like you know, Doctor Salvador. Once once you see Doctor Salvador cleave your head off with the chainsaw, you've seen you, that changes the yeah. man. Um, <laughs> although I will say with the classic trilogy with RE three, nothing made me change my pants more than nemesis just oh i'm just running around you know, like i have this wrench ready to use on the uh, fire hydrant hose thing oh nemesis is running after me no 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 I, re- I remember that happening one night with like my buddy just came over to just drink and hang out and he's just laughing his butt off when that happened didn't really get that with uh, the remake of this game again i didn't really play this the original a whole lot well, speaking of shitting myself, Rob, I see that the next, uh, the next. Oh yes, I see next it too. But you go ahead and take what Roley, Roley, Roley there on Metacritic. Roley, no relation to Broly. See, <laughs> <laughs> so user Roley writes that the camera angles, the cutscenes, the OMG, I think I've just shit myself moments, totally worth it. The famous iconic moment in this game is when you go through the dining room to find possibly Chris's blood What's on the floor. Then you it? enter the door in front of you, turn left, then poke your head around the corner, and what do you see? A yes. zombie enjoying his manwich. See what I did there? Manwich night. He slowly rises his head and turns to you, staring you directly in the eye as if you're now his dessert. They go on to talk about the dialogue, and as we've said, it was laughable. As Colby had already said, yep. user Roly says, who could possibly ever forget? You were almost a Jill sandwich. That was <laughs> the line, yeah. <laughs> that was, that <laughs> was very nice. Oh. They do go on to say, nice try, Capcom. That was dreadfully nice awesome. Come oh, on, guys. Yeah. <laughs> who could forget? But Barry, what are you going to do? I have this. He says it with that lisp, too. It's great. I have this. When referencing like his 50 caliber magnum, it's amazing. Well, I, you know, I, I have a few other user reviews queued up, but they're all kind of the same. And we've been, yeah. we've, been we've been going kind of long. Good game. Crappy voiceovers. That's the universal. We all like the game. We like the graphics. The, the, the story was weird ish. The voiceover, the dialogue was complete trash. But like I said, I'm, I'm going to be honest with you. I, I, I don't. Uh, I don't care. One of these reviewers actually yeah. says, I've heard text-to-speech programs that sound more lifelike than the dialogue in this game, so... <laughs> which which might yeah, be true. I'm, yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah, I can see be, that. Might be true, so... Well, <laughs> you're pitiful. Yeah, and another one said, the voice acting has gone down in history as some of the worst acting ever in a video game. I don't know about that, but, you know... Yeah, yeah, that's a bit, that's a bit much, but, yeah. I'll, I'll uh, never forget when I was watching... Um, 
a speed run of it on Twitch. And um, it's the uh, it's the climactic scene where Chris confronts Wesker in the basement lab in the mansion. And, you know, Wesker unveils the tyrant, the ultimate bioweapon. He's like, yes, this is it. The pinnacle of human evolution. The tyrant, <laughs> the ultimate bioweapon. And, like, obviously, all that but bad voice acting because it's 1996. And then Chris starts to laugh over him. And then Wesker just goes, what's so funny? Stop it. Stop it. And, yeah. like, the, the, the streamer equated that line to, like, being an older sibling or, or being... Or, like, being a sibling and your older sibling is intentionally doing something to annoy you. And I'm like, oh my god, that's it. That's it that's right it. there. That's the one. <laughs> that's well, exactly I think, what that line sounds like. I think it goes without saying that we have a, a very big fan of the Resident Evil series joining us today. Hi. Hi. Oh, uh, I, I didn't bring my fan in here. Were you talking about that? The super fan, yeah. Uh, okay. Zombies in space. That's what we need. We need a Resident Evil in space. Oh, that's Dead Space. Well, well, Sorry. Yeah, I was about to say, we kind of have that with Dead Space. Yeah, yeah, but we need right. zombie pirates first, as we, we touched on. Be- was that before we were started recording? I can't remember. I don't know. But yeah, zombie <laughs> pirates. Resident Evil Village, here we come. So, oh, dude, I'm, I'm ready. I'm going to blow through what Resident Evil has given us uh, before we start to move on to the gaming question of the week and wrap up for today. You know, this was the first in uh, including the remakes. There are now 26 games in the entire series, in case you didn't know. We have three animated films and six are awesome. You like the animated films? I love the animated films. Oh, I can't speak for Vendetta, but Degeneration and Damnation, they're solid flicks. They're a solid night spent. Speaking of things we're looking forward to, there are six live action films with a seventh on its way this year. Those are not good. What do you do? You have any hope for the seventh? Welcome to Raccoon City. No, no. Well, uh, okay. So on that topic, how do you feel? We have two series coming to Netflix, one that's, you know, anime and one that's live action. Any hope for those? Um, I have hope for the uh, the CG one because they have a good track record. I am very cautious about uh, the live action. I think that's because of the track record. Like, like in the, my take on the live action one, it, it's it's uh, the live action films are fairly divisive. They're like. People that are like, okay, like it's a, uh, they're solid action movies. They're they're a solid time, but for me, it's just like, the, 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 there's none of the spooks. Yeah, it's just you know you're 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 just fighting monsters, and like there's merit in having fun with that too, obviously. Yeah. But it's just like it doesn't capture. That's like my thing about like Hollywood blockbusters and trying to do a take on a video game. They lose a lot of um, what they they lose a lot of the game's identity. Yeah, when adapting no. a film like that, because the directors and whatnot are just so out of touch with that. Well, look, speaking of that, th- let's talk about that. So Resident Evil is the best-selling horror game series of all time. Believe it. it its film adaptions are the mm. highest-grossing video game film movies of all time. Uh, yeah. Re- Resident Evil in itself is the highest-grossing franchise across the entire horror and zombie genres. So there is... You, any other any other horror movie, any other zombie, you may think Walking Dead is huge, but nope, at this point, Resident Evil has outdone them all. You know, from the cultural standpoint, it's honestly one of the most influential video games of all time. Uh, you know, we didn't have games that were this cinematic at the time. There, There's just so much that it gives to the world. It was also one of the first games to receive an M rating, so I'd like to credit it 
very much with yeah. popular, popularizing M games, you know, because we had Mortal Kombat a few years earlier and that um, sparked so much controversy. Holy <laughs> hell. Yeah, we talked about that in the Mortal Kombat episode. Um, yeah, it sure did. Well, Mortal Kombat's the reason why we have ratings to begin with. And largely Resident Evil is credited with reviving the whole zombie genre as a whole. And before anyone wants to refute that, even George Romero himself credits Resident Evil along with the House of the Dead as the primary inspirations that popularized zombie culture. See, that's what I was about to pop in was like, House of, well, which came first, House of the Dead or RE, the RE films? But like, God, House of the Dead was so good. Yeah, and, and, it, and it's largely believed that the first RE film itself, uh, along with House of the Dead, revived the film genre. So between the two, yeah. the, the this this moment in video game history went so far beyond video games itself. Not only did it, did it move video games like technologically and culturally forward, but it really just cemented zombies in 24th century culture too. So we, we've got a lot to thank Resident Evil for because now we have zombie land. Uh, all right. I, I, we've said a lot, man. Have we said a lot about Resident Evil? We have. Rob, you got you got you got anything you want to add, or Colby, you got anything you want to add about RE? I think um anything we may not have covered. Um, see, um, play play the games; they're really good. RE two remake, really good. RE three, if you can, RE three remake, if you can uh, get it on sale, it's a good time. Do not play that at full price, though. RE seven, really good first person RE game. Uh, a lot of people don't like it because it's first person, but th- 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 they're silly. It's, it's a good, is a good game. It takes place down here in the bayou, so you got to play it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, don't, don't, don't. That's like that's like the Candyman around here. You start that up, and start things start happening. So spare me, please, because I live here. So okay, fair enough. All right. Colby said it perfectly. I'm not obviously the biggest fan of these original games. I I loathe them, but I will always say, give it a try for yourself because you never know what you're yeah. gonna love. Oh, I think it's worth eight hours. I mean, twelve hours if you're really bad at it. I, I it's it's a twelve hour investment. That's you know a weekend for some people. I think it's worth it. All right. Well, we're gonna move on to the gaming question of the week, and. You know, we we were talking about what a, a such a, a, a important moment in video game history this was, and you know, even as a kid, I can remember Resident Evil absolutely blowing my mind. And what that got me thinking was a really simple question, Colby. Since you're our special guest today, I'm going to start with you. Okay. Okay. If, if there was one video game that you could forget playing so that you could experience it all again for the first time, which would it be? Um, I already touched on that earlier, but Persona 5 Royal is definitely a contender for that. There, there was another game that came to my mind, but I'm spacing on it. Persona 5 Royal, I just... I had very much the same reaction to the, like, a lot of game... It was a very similar reaction. Breath of the Wild. Breath of the Wild was the other mm. contender. Breath of the Wild and Persona 5 Royal. Um, just because, like... The whole point with Breath of the Wild is, you know, exploring this world around you and finding what lies beyond every nook and cranny and because of that like it's a huge world but the whole point is exploration and finding out the unknown and once you know about it there's not much replay value to it okay but like with but persona 5 royal just especially when you um get into the third semester like it just when i played that there was um 
Nothing. I never experienced anything quite like it before because it's like part dungeon crawling turn based RPG, but also part high school uh, life sim where um you invest your time, which is your most valuable resource. You only get two time slots per day unless of um story progression happens and it bars you from like spending that those time slots, you know, mm-hmm. but you, you get two time slots to spend doing various things, whether it's doing laundry to get better equipment or brewing coffee to get an SP restorative item or hanging out with your friends so that you can get special perks to use in and out of battle. So like the life sim part is important. The dungeon crawling part's important because that's like where the meat of the game, like the dungeons and stuff is. The The story of the game just tackled so many, it tackled so many topics and themes that I wasn't quite ready for, but I'm glad I had those conversations with myself. But it, like definitely Persona 5 Royal or Breath of the Wild. I know it was a long-witted answer to the question, but like I had a lot to say. <laughs> no, that's good. That's That's the kind of stuff we look for here. Rob, what about you? You know, I try to think of old games that I played when I was young that I really enjoyed, and I'm having a lot harder time coming up with them because, I mean, Colby hit one of them right on the head, Breath of the Wild. I mean, for me, it's not as much about the replay value. It's just experiencing it for the first time, and I'm still you know, playing through it. I've never officially beaten the story mode, although I've seen it enough times to know what it's like. Yeah, But just the, the scenery, the the music, the flow of combat, just everything about the game is just so different than what the series had been leading up to that. And it was so overwhelming at first, you know, it, it, it was just something beyond anything that I could comprehend. And I still really enjoy it. I mean, like I said, I keep going back to it every once in a while when I feel like picking up my older games and just, you know, every time I pick it up, I'm still just amazed at everything new I'm finding out. And the other one you'll be happy to hear, um, although I feel it's because it's more about the replay value, because after you've played through it once, you know what to expect. It feels a little less influential, a little less uh, overwhelming would be Journey from our last week's episode. You really like that one, huh? Absolutely. I mean, it it was just a phenomenal game. The the visuals, the audio, everything going through it. It was just it was a phenomenal game. And. You know, I, I know that it'll never be the same as that first time picking it up and going through it. Although I'm sure that it will still be a phenomenal game. Dave, what about you? That's a really tough question. You know, and I obviously I write them. I've I've had that's funny coming from the guy who asked it. I know. I've I've had I I do this every week, Colby. I have yeah, lots yeah. of time. I have weeks, weeks. I mean, I've written these questions weeks ahead of time. And I I, I you know, I keep coming back to all the moments in in my you know uh, what 30 plus years of playing video games that were iconic to me i can still remember the i i hell i remember the first game that had graphics for me you know like like actual color graphics which would have been like wolfenstein 3d and you know, I, I remember technological leaps. I, I remember the first time we talked about my game brain of the year. goes there, too. When I when I just think of stuff like that. Yeah. Ma- Mario 64. I walked into a Best Buy and there it was because at the time they had this these huge screens that were in a circle yeah. around the center of the store. And I ran to go play this freaking mind blowing game, you know? Yeah, my, I know exactly my, what you mean. My my knee jerk, though, are like moments that I remember just being so in awe of, like 
the original Final Fantasy VII, getting to boot it up for the first time and hearing that music. That opening, that iconic th- menu mm-hmm. theme, yep. Yep, hearing that music and then playing it and the train the train scene introduction, your introduction to, to Aerith and your introduction to the game. That's a good one. The first time I ever played Fallout 3 and you go out of the vault and the entire wasteland just opens up behind you. And I remember being so in awe of the scope of it and it doesn't feel big anymore because I've been there, done that. But just that feeling because it was something so unique at the time. Yeah. The first time I ever played The Last of Us and I got to the end and there's yes. the, the iconic yes. scene with the giraffes. We recently, I recently played through both The Last of Us and I didn't remember a lot of the first game. I'm not even going to lie. But really? I, did rem- I did remember that last part. And when I got there this time, it doesn't it do, it doesn't have the same emotional impact the second time. See, um, like a lot of people talk about the draft scene, but it didn't really do anything for me. I think it's just because it's it's the it's it's the cathartic release, basically. Like, yeah, like it's right by the end of the journey and all that. Yeah, too. Yeah, yeah. You know, and, and like, you, I, I see that you get to see it's it's still it's still Earth. It's still the world. There's still life to be lived and had and loved on earth basically but yeah Mm -hmm. i the the scene that did it for me was like you know when joel and ellie confront each other at the ranch yeah yeah that that, that's like that's iconic i i i finished the last of us two like a couple weeks ago and i played the first one right before it like that that's been my recent thing you know those are the moments that i want to relive that that i could i could take back just to just to be i'm not I hate to admit it. I don't know if it's a history or if it's an age thing, but I'm not as in awe of games in the way I was when I was in those moments. You know, maybe it's just wisdom. Maybe it's just age. I can see where you're coming from with that. Cause like that was definitely me with games when I was in college. Cause it's just like, well, one, I'm a broke ass college student, so I can't really <laughs> afford new games anyways. I, I just played through a lot of uh, the used games that I had or lived vicariously through my roommates that could get like the occasional new game for like their Wii U or whatever. The the more that I'm playing more games, I'm just trying to get into that mindset of just like, just be like, you know, just settle for anything that can put a smile on your face. Settle for anything that could just, just like, there's no like, and I'm not putting words in your mouth or like calling you this by any means. Like there's just, you know, I might be a 27 year old now, but there's no reason to be a jaded adult. If, if you're having fun, it's still great. And like, there's so many times in a game where I'm just like, man, that's really cool. And then when I like when I like communicate that to myself, I'm like, yeah, you know what? That actually that, that's a banger. That's actually really damn cool. I'll I'll even I'll throw in a damn in there. And then it like turns out to be like one of my favorite memories of that game. You know, maybe I maybe maybe and I I wasn't taking it personal, but maybe jaded is a good way to put it because I I don't know, man, even games that I'm excited for, and I still get plenty excited for video games. I just don't, I don't feel that sense of awe. And maybe because I'm, I'm praying that the bottom doesn't fall out because that's a common experience. Unfortunately, that modern gamers have to deal with, you know, with, yeah, with that's what I was going through the, like those years ago too. Like, um, they don't make games the way they used to. We, yeah, like, we, we, we wild definitely helped um reinvigorate that love oh, of yeah. gaming that I used well, to have. Any Nintendo game you're gonna get is a polished finished pro- product, but that's that's you un- that's that's <laughs> unique. Okay, but that's unique to that to them. All right. Well, I think we did it, huh? We did it. I think we did it. That was that was 
Rob, did you get your knowledge in? More than I ever thought. Knowledge where, check. Where else, uh, Rob, can people get knowledge? Well, Dave, knowledge can be found at our website at www.memorycardlane.com. <laughs> I, I, I'm sorry, Rob. I must have had something in my ear. Uh, can you repeat that for the lovelies at home and for me? Sure thing, Colby. It's www.memorycardlane.com. What can they find at www.memorycardlane.com, Dave? <laughs> oh, all right. So show notes. If you guys want to see all the notes and resources from my research and our talking topics, I put the show notes up on our website. There's a calendar if you would like to look at upcoming games that we're going to talk about and upcoming gaming questions. There's a way for you to join our public discord if you'd like to talk to us and, and voice your opinion or contribute. We're always looking for your stories and your gaming questions. I, I would like to hear what you guys want to know about us. There's my biography, not Rob's, just mine. If you're curious why, go check it out. There's links to our Patreon. For only $2 a month, you can support our little fledgling podcast. Uh, that's it. End of story. Just support us. I'm not I'm not going to plug it beyond that. <laughs> uh, and lastly, there are links to our social media. You can find me on Twitter at David underscore is underscore wrong, where I wish birthdays, where I wish video games happy birthdays. And until Rob broke my Rocket League habit with Satisfactory, I was posting about Rocket League all the time. But now I don't. Rob, what about you? I can be found streaming occasionally some random video games here or there at twitch.tv forward slash F-A-T. B-O-I-R-I-P-Z. Colby, what are you doing? Uh, I'm so glad you get, uh, you guys asked. Um, you can find me on uh, twitch.tv slash RazorZenkai. You can expect me to stream there every, um, well, typically on Wednesdays, Fridays, and Saturdays. Though this week I have to shake up my schedule a bit to accommodate the fiancé's work schedule. But Wednesdays I typically stream some Duel Links action, some Yu-Gi-Oh! Duel Links. Um, I'll either climb the ranked ladder there or do some viewer battles with the lovely viewers. Fridays, I do some Smash Ultimate um, viewer arenas, um, hang out with the viewers and vibe with that. And then on Saturdays, I'll play like whatever whatever game is um, currently like my project game for the stream. Right now, I'm doing a Pokemon Heart Gold Nuzlocke. I am l- losing a lot of mons faster than I can replenish them. Yeah, if I'm not streaming on that, I'm probably rambling about video games and such on Twitter, at uh, RazorZenkai. And uh, I also have a link to, to my Discord server for the stream that you can find on the, the Twitch channel as well. Awesome. Well, before I wrap up uh, and take it out for the week, I just want to say thank you for joining us. I, it's it was a fun. pleasure, dude. I, it was Honestly. a lot of fun. Yeah, I agree. It's been fun. Uh, you know, If you want to join us again sometime, let us know. I'd be more than happy to have you back again. So. Yeah, if you have an episode on Devil May Cry and action games, I'm your guy. Yeah, we did Devil May Cry recently. You just, Rob, you just you missed. Slut. <laughs> Sorry, but this was the one I wanted to get you in on, though. You, you uh, that, that's, fair. Was, that's fair. That's uh, fair. Yeah. Well, I, well, look. To be fair, we did it yeah. on the Devil May Cry remake. Not. Yeah, I not saved you, but okay, 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 okay. Yeah, 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 we did uh, an emo. In, in its defense, the reboot is still it, it's still it's still a good trip. But like, I liked it. I enjoyed yeah. it. It was my first time playing it. I really enjoyed it. I thought it yeah, was very. I really prefer the depth that like the style switching mechanic um, that 
four and five have you know that's that that's like my thing about the reboot is that like it streamlined it a bit too much for my taste but hey it gets uh more people into the franchise you know so i'm all for it because if hideaki tsuno gets more money for these games that means he can make more of them so i'm all for that all right well here at the end real quick i'll start with you colby is there anything else that you would like to say to our listeners or add or this is last chance what do you got um play persona 5 royal (laughs) good 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 and uh just just keep on vibing out there keep being you unless if being you involves hurting people then please stop it well said well well said i couldn't i couldn't agree more the golden rule is what we abide by here treat others the way you want to be treated yourself exactly all right well rob what about you what would you like to add for the day well, first, I'd like to also thank Colby for joining us today. It's been a pleasure. I don't get to catch up with you nearly as much, but I'm I know, so happy to crime. see you coming in. Yeah, I'm so happy for to bring you in and uh, experience this with Dave and I and to talk a game that I know you have great passion for. I would also that like to take a moment. Showed. <laughs> I also want to take a moment, as I do every week, to thank all of our listeners. Uh, as I always say, we'd be here with or without you, but... We're happy to be doing it and absolutely happy to be with friends. So uh, if you like what you hear, let us know about it. Reach out to us. If you like want to learn more about these games, give them a play. You know, we talk about them for a reason. They're always worth a try. Absolutely. Anything from you, Dave? Nope. I I say way too much every week. I, I'm surprised people are coming back to listen to me, but they are. So thank you. If you're still with me, I appreciate you very much. And come join you know, uh, send me an email. Come, come be a guest. Come on our Discord. Uh, if this episode was was not enough of vindication, I love the discourse, and it goes both ways, ladies and gentlemen. Come talk video games with me. I will share it with anyone who wants to join me. I think that'll do it. Yeah, we good. Yeah. Yes, sir. Uh, all right. Well. Next week, Rob, we're going back to the beginning. And I mean the beginning, beginning to one of the earliest games in video game history. Uh, We're going to be taking a look at a game that is a direct inspiration for so many other games after it. Uh, It's the direct inspiration of the very first commercial arcade games, which were Galaxy Game and Computer Space, uh, took their inspiration from. In fact, This game was the first known video game to be played at multiple computer installations. So the first game ever that was installed in more than one place. Next week, we're going to take a look back at we're we're going all the way back to 1962. That's right, ladies and gentlemen, in case you didn't know it, video game history goes all the way back to the 1960s. And we're going to be looking at Space War and along with it, some of the video game history that comes before it, uh, the video game history that comes after it. Uh, obviously, you know, there's not a lot to talk about with some of the more basic games of the 60s, but we're going to look at the history of the games and the technology and where it came from and where it led to as we got into the golden era of arcades. So as part of our look at the early years of video game history, Rob and I, uh, and he's about to find out for the first time, are also going to be talking about our own earliest memories of our video game hobby. So wink, wink, prepare yourself. And we're going to talk about how that brought us to where we are today. So if you want a pretty strong dose of like real video game history, join us again next week as we take another nostalgia filled trip down memory card lane. Do the thing. 